we're not ready to play. Um, if we have to play tomorrow, um, we're, we're not ready yet. But we will be ready. Um, it's going to be a process for us. They recognize and they are aware of what they've done the last two years. Cumulatively, it's been 500, and that's not good enough. And so there is a uh, desire to want to change that. And so there is that want to. Did now. any of the LSU guys from the Chiefs talk to you about LSU, Tyran, or Daryl, or, or Clyde, the yeah. advice they give you? I'm going to tell you what, this is, of any place I've been, this is the most passionate former players I've ever seen, okay? Whether it was Clyde, whether it was T5, I mean, those guys love this university, love this state, and want to do anything they can to help it be successful. And, and that's pretty neat. It's neat to be a part of. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo once again. But, you know, I almost didn't even have his show this this day because there was just not a whole lot of SEC action going around. But the LSU coaching staff, for the first time in three damn months since they got on campus, got to the podium and had some words to share. So I figured we got to make the most out of all this content we can in the offseason. So we're going to jump to uh, this LSU coaching staff. The defensive coaching staff, they went here on Wednesday. The offensive staff is going to go on Thursday. We'll be back on Friday's show with uh, uh, the offensive staff as well as I got a great guest lined up to finish the week strong. But we got a couple clips here and something we hit on on a previous episode. Wanted to give a little update here. I know it was a little um, more for the storylines than anything, but we kind of played around with the idea of Dan Mullen Coming back to the SEC potentially as Kentucky's offensive coordinator. Doesn't look like that's going to be happening according to a really good podcast. If, uh, you know, some inside baseball media type deal. But it's one I listen to called the Marshawn and Oran podcast. They cover sports media. Uh, and according to their latest show, Dan Mullen being targeted by ESPN, the SEC network. So look for Dan Mullen. These guys are rock solid. They're the best in the business when it comes to sports media. So if they say it, I take it as gospel. Sounds, based on what they're saying, Dan Mullen's going to be a college football analyst, as strange as that sounds. I know we've seen him a little bit doing that with uh, the SEC championship game. And so, hey, don't be surprised if Dan Mullen's on your tube, not going to be in Lexington as the new offensive coordinator. Just wanted to make that little note. And... One other thing before we get to LSU, I'm sad I asleep at the wheel here when this uh, debuted a couple of days ago. I was not able to capture it, but apparently a video has come out from Nick Saban, and I don't even think it was a new video. I think it's about a month old, but it just came out the other day. There was two, actually, one about him talking about the lack of leadership and how that got Henry Ruggs in trouble. Obviously, we know the story automobile crash and people died and rugs got cut by the Raiders. There was a clip around that. That's, that's been taken off the internet by the Alabama coaches Association. So good luck finding that. If you missed it, we shared it on Twitter. It's been taken down Twitter, taken off YouTube, but the one I really wanted to share and unfortunately also been taken down, won't be able to share it, but I got the comments here. Nick Saban comments on retirement, which is, I know something the rest of the, 
the 13 SEC fan bases and soon to be 15 when Texas and Oklahoma get come in the league and get their ass hammered by Alabama on an annual basis. When is this guy going to retire? Uh, what's he damn near 80 years old at this point? Nick Saban, his comments here. And again, I'm just reading this transcript because the video has been scrubbed off the internet. They can't scrub me talking about it off the internet. But here's what Nick Saban says. Everybody asked me when I want to retire. Retire from what? I'm going to jump into an empty abyss height of what I'm going to do. Had to throw in the height there. Because the very challenges that I talk about and the things in our profession that concern me for you and for me both in your game and our game, that's what keeps me going. That's why I get up every day. That's why I can't sleep at night sometimes. So why would you quit doing that? I haven't figured that one out yet. So, hey, those are his words, not mine, even though I was reading them to you there. But based on those comments from Nick Saban, uh, we can expect him to be around for quite a while. And uh, just hammering everybody here in the SEC. Uh, of course, outside of Georgia and Texas A&M, they got them. But, you know, this may be a, another season of Alabama on the revenge tour with all they got coming back. So comments like this make uh, certainly going to bring a smile to all the Crimson Tide fans out there, their faces. But, you know, I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not calling them a liar here or anything, but I wonder if this has anything to do with uh, Arch Manning his recruitment, of course, coming up. Alabama's right in the thick of it, and he can't have any kind of lingering doubt that he's not going to be there for the four years or three years or however long Arch Manning's in college. Can't have it out there that he's got one foot out the door when you've got uh, such an elite, elite quarterback considering your program. So, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. But uh, could Arch Manning be the final quarterback of the Nick Saban era? I think some people think, Bryce Young may be that guy. There's been speculation. I think it was even Paul Feinbaum himself said, you know, if Alabama would have won that last game, there was rumblings that uh, Saban was going to hang him up. So we'll see. These comments seem to contradict that, but who knows? I just thought, uh, you know, any kind of update on Nick Saban potentially retired, I got to bring it to the rest of the SEC. All right, but jumping down to Baton Rouge, like I said, the defensive staff, Met with the media for the first time since being hired. Brian Kelly's debut staff put together, and he's put together one hell of a staff here. And it's, uh, you know, the main one here, Matt House, the defensive coordinator, after three seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs, won a Super Bowl, made another one. And before that, of course, he was Kentucky's defensive coordinator. If you missed it, go back and on the last episode, we had Sean Smith of uh, the Kentucky Daily Podcast on the line. I asked him about Matt House, what LSU fans can expect from him. He sounded pretty optimistic that uh, LSU got them a good one in Matt House. So before we get to Brian Kelly, before we get to Matt House, defensive line coach Jamar Kane, who he's been all over the map, hired from uh, Southern Cal. He was their defensive line coach. He's been at uh, North Dakota State, which I know is a, a lower level, but they're you know national championship after national championship at the lower levels, and he's even got a story about Joe Burrow babysitting Joe Burrow, to be in fact, because he coached with uh, Joe Burrow's dad. I thought this was fantastic. And then SEC fans across the board, I thought, would really appreciate these comments. You know, even being at a place like Southern Cal, being at, uh, he's coached at Oklahoma, 
you know, you get in these battles on the recruiting trail, and at the end of the day, a lot of these elite players, these elite players, they want to play in the SEC, and that's something that has come back to bite Jamar Kane in the ass, and a big reason why he's in LSU now, because he does not want to lose another recruiting battle due to the fact that uh, he's not recruiting for an SEC program. The talent, though, that the South always tends to have in Louisiana per capita is just, it's a different type of dude because, I mean, because of the heat, because of the humidity. Yeah. On the defensive line, you can really get some beasts. I mean, I'm sure you're excited about recruiting. Oh, my God, I'm so I'm so excited. Just, you know, I've hung my hat on being a good coach and a detailed recruiter and recruiting a lot of good players in Oklahoma and other places I've been. It's always been a reoccurring theme was like a coach I want I love you I want to come play for you but I want to play in the SEC specifically I want to play in the SEC West and that kind of hurts your heart when you spend two years recruiting a kid and it comes down to nut cut, excuse me you know when it comes down to making a decision and they're like don't don't you guys put that one out <laughs> <It's not alive. laughs> but when it comes to making a decision in that case says, coach I want to play in the SEC and you know I'm excited about coming down here and recruiting some of these apps, especially the state of Louisiana like there's always been good 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 players here especially defensive linemen and you know working from outside the state there's always been known that hey you can't go into Louisiana and take a defensive line like that kid's going to LSU miles at Arizona State with Kevin Moai and Kevin would always tell us like hey you can't go down there you know like bro it's a good player no you can't go down there guys don't worry about he's going to LSU so that's just I'm excited about that especially opening up these doors down here so you're trying to figure out how to get around Baton Rouge but you certainly know the LSU brand some of the players that have made it to the league yes. maybe that you tried to recruit yeah you know was that part of deciding to come here and what guys do you think of when you think of that well you guys I don't know if you guys know this but I GA'd at Ohio University and the D coordinator was Jimmy Burrow so um when I got this job here, Jimmy called me and laid it out, laid out everything for me. I mean, and then obviously I followed LSU because Joey was here. Um, I babysit Joey when I was a GA, so that's just a funny, fun, fun fact so you guys can have. Like, I was Joey's babysitter, and I used to sit. I'm just gonna tell you guys a little story. I used to sit as a GA. I would break down a film, and Joey would be playing his Pop Warner game in Peden Stadium, and Coach would made me film it, so I'd go out there and film it as I'm breaking the game down. I had to make a highlight film of all Joey's plays and everything and then give it to Coach because he couldn't watch the game. Then I had to make a Christmas highlight for the whole family. So it's just, anyways, I can go all day about this stuff. Did, just, did you slip those to us, please? Oh, my God, I wish I still had them. I was like a 24-year-old kid trying to, like, break this game down so Coach Burrow wouldn't yell at me. But I got to make Joey's highlight. It was just a crazy time. But anyways, Coach, Coach Burrow called me and gave me the whole rundown. Then I got Kevin Mawai calling me and sending me houses and where, where to live and go eat here. Then when you get boudin, dip it in this. I'm just like, Kevin, I can't eat all that. Like, I'm old, I'm gonna get heart, I'm gonna get heartburn. Like, I'm already on blood pressure medicine. Like, this stuff I can't do around here. I'm from California, I want salad, you know? So anyways, yeah, I want all the avocado stuff. But no, it's been fun. And All right, so hey, how great was that Joe Burrow story? Joey Burrow, as he calls him. I just thought that was fantastic. You know, Joe Burrow's dad, certainly you've seen him. He's, he was at all the LSU games. He's now, he's now he's at all the Bengals games. He still do he still does media down there in Baton Rouge. They really love this LSU program. So it's great to see that uh, Burrow, not only Joe Burrow, but his entire family still embraces, still proud Tigers here. And now they've got another strong connection to it with Jamar Kane down there coaching the defense of line in Baton Rouge. You know, of course, the guy that hired Jamar Kane and Matt House, Brian Kelly, he also – Met with the media here very briefly here 
on Wednesday. He's going to meet with them again on Thursday, I believe, to talk about the offensive staff. But uh, key comments here from Brian Kelly, why he wanted to bring on Madhouse and the defensive scheme still up in the air, what they're going to be running next season in Baton Rouge. I love the fact that Brian Kelly uh, addresses the defense in terms of an, uh, an offensive-minded guy and what he's looking for from a defense, from an offensive perspective. Uh, I just thought those were some pretty solid comments here. I'll start with um, our defensive coordinator, Matt House. You know, what really uh, drew me to Matt was coordinator experience. You know, here's, here's, a, uh, here's a man who has uh, multiple uh, coordinator roles uh, at um, many three different schools in particular but but more importantly in the SEC you know and having experience in the SEC uh, as a coordinator was was certainly uh, something that um, I was looking for um, you know Matt's coached all the positions as well um, and as a former defensive coach myself and a division two head coach um, I can appreciate somebody that's had to coach all those positions because um, I've had to have that on my agenda as well. So he's coached the positions. He can fix the defense uh, if it needs to get fixed, which it's never going to need to get fixed, right, Matt? We know that already. Um, and he's won at the highest level. He's won a Super Bowl. So he's a winning football coach uh, and a great teacher, great communicator. Uh, and, and so that's what really uh, drew me uh, to Matt. You mentioned wanting multiplicity on defense. What other sort of um, qualities are you wanting to see on your defense in terms of scheme and what that might look like? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, I think offensive, you know, minded coaches um, would all tell you that if you line up one way, um, you know, you're going to have a long day. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're going to defensively um, be able to give you multiple looks. Um, you know, obviously, you know, try to keep the personnel as constant as possible, uh, and and make it difficult. Um, you know, for offenses uh, to know what they're going to get from down to down, uh, and and that's really the game today, right? You know, if you're, um, you know, constantly, you know, moving personnel in and out of the game, multiple packages uh, makes it a little bit. Uh, more of a, uh, a game for the offense because they can change tempo on you. So, you know, we're going to, um, you know, try to have the pen last in, in a lot of those situations. All right, and then the coach that really revealed the most, I thought here on Wednesday, was Madhouse, new defensive coordinator down there. So much hype with LSU's new defensive coordinator. After being with the Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, for three seasons, two Super Bowl appearances, and the only other time they didn't go to the Super Bowl, they went to the AFC Championship. So, you know, it's uh, amazing being in Kansas City at this time. What brings Matt House back to the college game, considering it seems like every one of these damn assistants in college football, when they get an NFL opportunity, they're, they're jumping. They're going as quick as they can. So why is Matt House going the opposite direction? That was the first thing asked of uh, LSU's new defensive coordinator on Wednesday. I suppose if you could just walk us through the last, you know, th few years for you as you chose to, you know, go to the NFL as a linebackers coach, and now what brought you back to want to to be a coordinator in college again? Well, um, several things. You know, um, first of all, when you when you leave coordinating, you always have that hunger to get back and do it. I, I enjoy the part of the game that, the scheme part, the building of a team, uh, the building of a staff, 
I enjoy when you lock arms and get in the room together and, and you can put together a plan. And I enjoy the development piece. Um, you know, it was fun uh, the three years in Kansas City to go back and work with, with Spags and to learn from Coach Reed and obviously, you know, winning at a high level. But at the end of the day, there was a hunger to come back and to be a defensive coordinator. And I miss the, the part of the relationships with the players. You know, I had a great linebacker room in Kansas City, great guys, okay? But one of the things that I did miss, I have four kids of my own, and I missed the opportunity for my kids to get to know the people that I was spending time with outside. And, and uh, coming back to college affords you to do that. So what does a coach learn in the NFL? I love this comment because, you know, he makes a great point. I do think I say it all the time. The players matter more than just about anything, but being at the NFL level, Madhouse is well aware. You know, it's obviously a little bit different story there, but talent will only get you so far because in the NFL, everybody's got talent. And in the SEC, the upper echelon teams, all those teams are going to have talent. So what separates you? That's something that Matt House also tackled here. Yeah, you mentioned your last stop. Just, I guess, talk about maybe what you learned the last couple of years about building a championship-level defense and you know, obviously winning the Super Bowl and all that. Uh, number one thing is, you know, talent will get you so far. I mean, you look at winning at that level, the locker room, okay, uh, the leaders within each position group, the standard – uh, the consistency that it takes to win day in and day out. Uh, those are the things when, when you win at that level that, that kind of come through because everybody's got a certain level of talent. It, it, it's the teams that, that bond together all right, and play to a standard that win. And one more thing when it comes to a defensive scheme, kind of like Brian Kelly was indicating, I love this answer from Matt House when he was asked about what scheme he plans to run at LSU because I cannot tell you these guys they make so much money they think they have it all figured out and you know many many of them are hard-headed they think that uh, you know this is I got here because of my scheme because of my X's and O's we've seen it time and time again these coaches that think that way that won't adapt and it's it's far more you know many won't adapt while the elite ones just look at Nick Saban. We just talked about him. Look at his program offensively the last five, six years, how he's adapted to the rules and getting elite quarterbacks and elite receivers. You have to be willing to adapt with the times. You just cannot suffocate your players with scheme. You really have to scheme to what your players' strengths are and avoid their weaknesses, and that's exactly what Matt House plans to do with his defense here in Baton Rouge. You mentioned the multiplicity on defense and the different things you want to do. Have you decided, you know, from a base standpoint, what you all want to scheme out of yet? You know, we're still – that's a great question, but we're still learning our guys. And, and until you can learn your guys, I mean, football 101 is, right, accentuate the positive and try to keep them out of negative situations. You know, as coaches and as a coaching staff, we got the experience and the versatility to put them in good situations. But there's a process of learning what your guys can do and what they can't do before you, you can execute that. And that's the process of going through this winter, going through spring ball. It's, it's a process, and we'll kind of metamorphose into what we can become. 
Now, final thing, I thought LSU fans would really appreciate this, just the fact that I think these are kind of common comments that a coach will make when they get hired, but I think it's certainly true. I think he's speaking the truth here, given some of the players that he's interacted with during his NFL time, uh, but just how passionate them LSU Tigers are, even when they move on to the NFL. I mean, they are just diehard LSU fans at the next level. Right here, Ron Higgins, Tiger Details. Uh, did any of the LSU guys from the Chiefs talk to you about LSU, Tyran or Daryl or, or Clyde, the yeah. advice they give you? I'm going to tell you what. This is, uh, of any place I've been, this is the most passionate former players I've ever seen, okay? Whether it was Clyde, whether it was T5. I mean, those guys love this university, love this state, and want to do anything they can to help it be successful. And, and that's pretty neat. It's neat to be a part of. All right, so hey, like I said, this is going to be a shorter episode. Just had these clips from uh, the LSU new coaches staff. So look forward on the next episode. We're going to have the offensive coaches. Really interested to hear from uh, the offensive coordinator, Mike Dembrock. Not a guy I'm familiar with, so it'll be new to me as well. And then, like I said, we got a great guest lined up to finish out the week. Uh, First-time guest, never had him on the show. I think uh, the listeners are really, really going to appreciate who we got to close out the week. But, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.